everybody, and welcome to Where the Fuck Are We? The foreign affairs show that asks the three most important questions for Americans. Where the fuck are we? Why the fuck are we there? And what the fuck does it have to do with me? I'm Kevin Janis. I'm Benari Poulton. Okay, so the last few episodes, we've spent uh, a lot of time in war-torn places. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. So this episode, we thought we'd take a little vacation and go somewhere fun for a change. So where the fuck are we this time? You tell him, Frank. Brazil, where hearts were entertaining June. How could you not have a good time in Brazil? Home to Rio de Janeiro. Party time. Grab a caipirinha. Let's go to Rio. Let's go to Rio. The police fired tear gas. They ended up arresting one person. Uh, it looks like protesters want to start get moving, and there's some pushing back. As you can see, we may have, if they shoot the tear got to go. It hit my arm. Oh. Ah, Jesus. Protests, riots, tear gas. Why does everything suck? We can't go anywhere nice. I feel like Glenn from Mad Men. Why does everything turn out crappy? Well, look, it can't all be bad. Maybe we just need to put Brazil in the proper historical context. You know what that means. This ain't history. This is the Blitzery. Little is known about the world's fifth largest country before the 16th century. Except the roughly 2,000 indigenous tribes who used to live there. 1,500. Portuguese colonists claimed the area for Portugal bringing innovation and trade. And smallpox. Brazil's earliest commercial export is a red tree called Pau Brazil, the Brazilwood tree. So guess what they called the country? Then Brazilian sugarcane muscles its way into the export game with its sugar plantations. Great news for the new colony. Bad news for millions of African slaves. 1808, the Peninsular War. The king of Portugal flees Napoleon's evasion and sets up shop in Rio for the next 15 years. 1822. There's trouble brewing when the king of Portugal's son Pedro leads Brazil in a war of independence. And in 1823, a stunning upset. Pedro beats Portugal and becomes Brazil's first emperor, Dom Pedro I. 1888. Brazil abolishes slavery. Finally. Good news for slaves. Bad news for the monarchy. Pedro II is ousted in 1889 in favor of a federal republic. And I hope you like coffee, because that's who's running the show now. The 1930s. Getulio Vargas rides a wave of social and economic revolution all the way to the top. But he's ousted as dictator in a military coup at the end of WW2. But in 1951... Vargas is back, 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 winning the presidency of Brazil in a democratic election. 1954, facing disgrace or overthrow, Vargas takes himself out of the game permanently. Democracy is not an easy fit for Brazil, and by 1964, it's military rule once more. Great news for economic growth. Not so great for human rights. But in the 1980s, democracy makes a dramatic comeback, just in time for an economic crisis. Through the 1990s, Brazilian leaders try to battle inflation. Social and economic turmoil threaten to overtake the country, 
But it all takes a back seat in 2002 when Brazil wins its fifth World Cup. Goal! October 2002. Brazil elects its first left-wing government in 40 years on promises of political reform and eradicating poverty and hunger. The next few years are rocked by corruption, gang violence, protests, and political scandals. 2010. Juma Rousseff wins a head-to-head runoff to become Brazil's first female president. And she could go all the way! 2014, more economic and environmental woes, but who cares because Brazil is hosting the World Cup. And the Olympics are coming in 2016. Who knows what the future will hold for Brazil? But you'll hear about it all right here first. Oh, the blitzer. No Mongols this time. They didn't quite make it to the New World. No Mongols. They're like the Dothraki, right? They don't do boats. Yeah, well, I'm glad they never got dragons. So Brazil has the World Cup going on, and suddenly the U.S. cares about soccer. <laughs> right. Or football, as the entire rest of the world calls it. Hey, we're, we're watching the damn sport. We'll call it whatever we want, all right? But look, in Brazil, Brazil loves this game. Oh, for sure. And arguably the best player of all time is from Brazil. Everybody loves Pele. I mean, hosting the World Cup in Brazil is kind of a big deal. Yeah, which is why it's so weird to see so many protests at what should be a huge celebration. Well, I don't think they're protesting soccer or football. They're really protesting about the colossal cost of staging this soccer World Cup. And the cost of this World Cup has been more than $11 billion. It does include infrastructure like new roads and transport systems that will benefit the country as a whole going forward. Um, But there's huge social inequalities in this country. uh, And many people are protesting that while the rich are getting richer, the poor are suffering and spending billions of dollars on essentially a sporting event, even if it is the biggest on the planet, is not the best use of that money. Oh, and Brazilians have just been brutal in their treatment of their president, Dilma Rousseff. It's pronounced Dilma, spelled Dilma, and not Wilma. Wilma! Okay, so here is how the Brazilian crowd greeted their president at the World Cup. Now, for those of you who don't speak Portuguese, (laughs) that's a stadium full of Brazilians chanting, Hey, Gilma, go fuck yourself. That's what they're actually saying. Kevin is not paraphrasing. No. Now, look, American politicians get abused, and we've seen them get booed. I mean, I've seen them get booed pretty badly in stadiums, but I've never seen an entire stadium of people telling their president to go fuck themselves. Well, God love her. She took it like a champ. Oh, yeah. Here's what she said in response. She said the chants were nothing compared to what she had to endure in jail during military rule. I love it. She went all orange as the new black on their ass. For those of our loyal listeners who don't follow Brazilian politics, she's talking torture. Oh, she's been through some shit. Yeah, Brazil was under a military dictatorship, and Dilma fought as part of a radical guerrilla group against it, and she spent three years in jail being tortured in the late 60s, early 70s. So remember when I was tortured under a military dictatorship so you could all have that freedom to tell me to go fuck myself? (laughs) Shut up, you whiny bitches. 
I was tortured. You were a little hungry. I'm poor. I'm hungry. Shut up and watch your football. Here's the thing. They loved her four years ago when she was elected. She was the first woman elected president of Brazil, so it was a big fucking deal. Even Hillary Clinton was at her inauguration. I mean, Hillary was the Secretary of State at the time, so it was kind of her job, but still. Yeah, and look, Secretary of State don't just turn up at the inaugurations of South American leaders. It was a big deal. But it was also a big deal because she had never run for office before. And also, the guy she was replacing was one of the most popular presidents in Brazilian history. President Rousseff has a tough act to follow. President Lula leaves office with an approval rating that's hit 87%. The leader, known as the Iron Lady, may have several challenges that will really test her mettle. She recognizes the challenges she faces. She just doesn't think they have anything to do with the World Cup. There are people who claim the resources for the Cup should have been directed to health care and education. I hear and respect those opinions, but I don't agree with them. It's a false dilemma. From 2010, the amount invested in education and health care in Brazil has been 212 times more than the amount invested in the stadiums. And then, of course, once the World Cup got underway... The protests go away. Brazilians started paying more attention to Neymar's broken back than the broken economy. And the world media just drops the story. I feel like this is the same thing every time. The media, the world media comes into a host country of a, a sporting event. And every single story is about how horrible things are in the country, how they're not prepared to host the games. Then suddenly the games begin and the media are like, oh, look, shiny things. And the games are a huge success. And oh. that's all anyone's talking about. Of course. And that's the script for the media. And I think world leaders know that. So if Jilma's intent was to use an international sporting event to distract Brazilians from domestic problems, it worked. Well, and that's that's the other element of it, right? Is there's a strategy? It's it's as old as the Romans. Give the people bread and circuses. In this case, it's more circuses than bread. But we saw this exact same thing with Putin in the Sochi Olympics. Well, I I, I don't think Brazil is going to invade Ukraine after this. But it's funny you should mention the Olympics because guess what just happens to be coming to Brazil in 2016. Ugh, that must be going well. Not everything here is going well. Olympic chiefs say preparations are the worst ever. At the second biggest site for eight sports, including equestrian, work hasn't even begun. On the bay where sailing and windsurfing will be held, a different problem. The bay, unfortunately, can just be described as a pool of sewage. It's not just sewage and trash. One Brazilian Olympic sailor says he's come across human corpses on four occasions in this bay. Jesus Christ! <laughs> corpses! <laughs> and I love how formal and clinical he is about finding four dead bodies. But here we go again, right? Brace yourself for the stories. How will Brazil ever get this built in time for the games? Yeah, I see a whole bunch of fuck you Jilmas in President Rousseff's future. <laughs> well, that's if she even makes it to 2016. Because she's got an election coming up in October. Yeah, and if she loses, 
Did you know that it might be because of Texas? Brazil's President Dilma Rousseff must assume her share of responsibility for the controversial purchase of a refinery in Texas by Petróleo Brasileiro SA. Its high cost and losses later incurred at the refinery have put Petrobras at the center of a growing political scandal that began with bribery accusations and was fanned by the arrest of a former director in connection with a money laundering case. Oh yeah, did, did we mention she used to run Brazil's state-owned oil company? <laughs> yeah, and of course there's a Texas connection. Connection with it. Dude, yeah, don't mess with Texas. She went from Che Guevara to Dick Cheney. No, 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 no. Dick Cheney would exploit some international incident to divert attention away from the scandal in Texas. So remember how the NSA was spying on other countries and world leaders? Turns out the people in those countries don't take too kindly to having their privacy invaded. One U.S. ally is not willing to forgive and forget. Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff has canceled her scheduled visit to the White House next month, pulling out of what was supposed to be the first official state visit of U.S. President Barack Obama's second term. It would have also been the first for a Brazilian president in nearly two decades. Okay, what were you saying about Dick Cheney again? <laughs> Look, to be fair, spying on other countries is a crummy thing to do. But come on, she's just using this to score some political points at home. Oh, I mean, no question. This was a huge Christmas present for Jilma. And, and look, Canadian politicians do this all the time, right? Are you in political trouble? Open up that old anti-American safety valve. Relieve yeah. some pressure. It's easy to bash the U.S., but every single country in the world does the exact same thing. So don't go bashing us because it's all part of the game, man. Wait, Benari, are you saying that bashing the U.S. for spying might be hypocritical and crummy? Just a month after Brazil's leader spoke at the U.N., criticizing the U.S. for spying on her, the Brazilian government now admits it spied on the U.S. and some of its interests. Remember not too long ago when Brazil's president was up in arms after finding out that the NSA was spying on her? Well, it's now been revealed that Brazil likes to spy on U.S. diplomats there, too, a practice left over from Brazil's previous president. That's awkward. Boom! Jilma, Jilma, Jilma. Busted. Hey, Jilma, go fuck yourself. <laughs> What did I tell you? What did I say? It's all part of the game, man. All right, you can bash the U.S. all you want. You can get on your high horse, but you know you're doing exactly the same thing. You're just as much a part of this as we are. It's all in the game, man. You are a parasite who leeches off just like you, the culture man. of drugs. Excuse me? What? I got the shotgun. I got the briefcase. It's all in the game, though, right? One way or the other... The U.S. has to deal with Brazil. It's the seventh largest economy in the world. This sounds like a fact, and you know what that means. Yes. It's time for getting fact. Oh, no. Brazil is the largest country in South America and fifth largest in the world by population and size. It's just so big. Brazil spreads so far and wide that its borders reach around and touch every single South American country except Chile and Ecuador. Sorry, boys. Brazil is the largest Portuguese-speaking country in the world. Oh, brigado. It's also the largest Catholic country in the world. But prostitution is legal, so save those reals. Mm. Oh, I love getting fact. We do love getting fact here.
So while we're on the subject of facts, uh, we actually came across a lot of interesting facts about Brazil. So I think the best way to do this is just do a quick new segment called Brazil, True or False? Okay, here we go. True or False? Brazil has been the largest producer of coffee in the world for 150 years. That is true. I am drinking some Brazilian coffee right now. True or false, Kevin? Between 1,500 and 2,000 Nazi war criminals fled to Brazil after World War II. That is true. Are you kidding? I saw the boys from Brazil. Yes, and even though that is a fictional movie that is based on factual information about Nazis fleeing to (laughs) Brazil. And by the way, the 1,500 to 2,000 number, those are just the war criminals, not just your average Joe (laughs) Sixpack Nazi. (laughs) Your average run-of-the-mill Nazi? Yeah, these are are the the, the worst of the worst Nazis. (laughs) All right. True or false? 54% of the Brazilian population has European ancestry. True. See previous answer. (laughs) I'm seeing a a trend here. All right. True or false? The motto of Brazil is order and progress. True. It's even on their flag. Ordem e progresso. Order and progress. That totally doesn't sound like a Nazi propaganda rally. Look, not everything is about Nazis, Benari. I I hate to tell you. Okay, true or false? Brazil is in the top five countries in the world for plastic surgery. (laughs) True or false, Kevin? It's actually, here's what's great about this, is it's true. It's absolutely true. And they even get government tax incentives to do it. Yeah. Like you can deduct it from your income tax. And I wonder who started that policy. My guess is it was probably starting around 1946 when a an unnamed group of around 2,000 recent immigrants <laughs> suddenly needed to change their faces. <laughs> it's not a Nazi thing, Benari. It's just about trying to achieve physical perfection and beauty. But actually, if you want to know how crazy Brazilian standards of of beauty are, speaking of all this plastic surgery. Giselle, your boyfriend Tom Brady's wife, (laughs) Giselle was originally rejected from 42 modeling agents because her nose was considered too big. Hmm. Giselle! Oh, oh gee, they thought her nose was too big. Yeah, or as the locals say, you have what we call Junos. I'd love to see the rejection letter. I'm pretty sure it started Dear Jew. (laughs) Last one. True or false? The Brazilian bikini wax was not invented in Brazil. Absolutely true. It was invented in New York in the 80s. Yeah. But it was invented by Brazilians. It was invented by seven Brazilian-born sisters. It took seven of them to invent the Brazilian wax? Yeah, well, it took six of them to hold the seventh sister down. (laughs) And you know, you know the one who went first was the youngest sister. Yeah, well, here's another non-Nazi fact about Brazil, as far as I know. Uh, Brazil is the birthplace of the second most recorded song in the world, The Girl from Ipanema. made the bossa nova famous yeah if you've been in an elevator or a waiting room you've definitely heard a version of this song so the story goes that uh antonio jobim and uh, vinicius mores were sitting in a bar in rio drinking yeah they're watching and drinking and they see this gorgeous young girl go by and they scribble the song down on a napkin to impress her and history is made that is the story except that's not exactly the whole story yeah, so 
we were we were reading about this, and it turns out that they were working on a musical called Blimp, and it was this mu- it was a it was a musical about Martians, a little green Martian. Yeah, it's about this Martian who lands in Rio during Carnival, and he basically just wants to get laid. I was always a little creeped out by the song because it's you know you, it's about an old guy staring at this barely legal teenager. That's the best case scenario with this song. Right? Best case, she's 18, from what I can tell, what I've, what I've read. But it's so much weirder, because it's supposed to be about a Martian. Yeah, and now you know the rest of the story. It's, a, it's <laughs> The song Girl from Ipanema is from a Martian musical. It's basically Brazil's Ziggy Stardust. Well, I don't care. Martians or not, I'll always love Frank's version. She passes, I smile, but she doesn't see. Classic Sinatra. I love that in his version, he makes the song all about him at the end. And it's slightly accusatory. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't see me. What's wrong with this broad? I'm standing right here. Doesn't she know who I am? You think Frank knew that the song was actually about a horny green Martian? No fucking way. It's about what? Next tune. (laughs) Oh, boy. So coming back to the World Cup, uh, we know Brazilians love their soccer, but, you know, Brazilians also love basketball, uh, volleyball, auto racing, surfing. Mixed martial arts. Oh, Brazilians are huge MMA fans. And one of one of their own, Anderson Silva, is is a legendary MMA champ. Yeah, Silva has been called the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. But here's the best part. You will never believe who trained Anderson Silva. I'm Karen Bryant for MMA Heat. I don't think I need to introduce him, but I'm going to anyway. It's Steven Seagal. Today you were here with Anderson. What did you think of the fight? I couldn't have been happier because uh, right before he walked out, I said, you know, stay away from him for the first two, three minutes. Just kind of get him frustrated and then fake low and come high and do that kick that I've been teaching you and kick him in the head or the face. And he did exactly what I said and exactly what I wanted to happen happened. And uh, I was very, very proud of him. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal trained Anderson Silva. At this point, Steven Seagal is basically our unofficial WTFAW foreign (laughs) affairs correspondent, right? Oh, my God. And I don't even know where to begin. But as usual, Seagal's claims, even when he's talking about MMA, are not without controversy. People love to make up shit. I was reading up uh, all the shit that Steven Seagal's made up all through his career. Because there's a whole thing going on right now where Steven Seagal uh, told uh, everybody that Anderson Silva, he taught Anderson that case. Right. So even though a lot of people didn't believe Seagal when he said he trained Silva, uh, there are photos of them training together. Oh, yeah. And there's video. I mean, there's a hilarious training video uh, on YouTube. You should totally check out where Seagal, who's looking pretty fat, uh, is training Silva. Okay, so we have photographic and video evidence, but we have disputed claims. So what's the verdict, counselor? Do we believe him? (laughs) I believe in due process. uh, And, uh, you know, hearing from the witness uh, himself, judging uh, his credibility. So here's what Seagal had to say when he was asked about the controversy. How much have you been training with him? There was a video that got out on the Internet, and I don't know if everybody believed you were truly training together. How long has that been going on? 
Well, gosh, I don't know how long ago that was. I don't really keep track of space and time too well. I don't keep track of space and time too well. Well, Kevin, what do you expect? He's not Doctor Who, okay? He doesn't do <laughs> space and time. Actually, if I recall correctly, the first thing they teach you in law school is that any time a witness takes the stand and says they don't keep track of space and time too well, you just say, Your Honor, I rest my case. Well, turns out it was all lies. It was just a publicity stunt. Yeah, according to Brazilian journalists, the whole thing was just a marketing ploy cooked up by Silva's agent to give Silva more visibility in the American media. And it worked. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it worked a little too well <laughs> as far as Steven yeah. Seagal is concerned. <laughs> totally. Seagal, he just took the whole thing way too far. Because this is awesome. He started just taking credit for everything. Like everything Silva did, everything every other UFC champ did. You're still dangerous? <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you this. The, the guys that I'm training in UFC, you know, some of them have gotten their championship belt because they've attributed that to me and me teaching them. So I still know a thing or two. <laughs> he's, he's out of control. Seagal <laughs> is out of control. He's rampaging through space and time. Yeah, well, we're running out of space and time, and we didn't even get to the Amazon. Oh, don't worry about that. You can learn everything you need to know about the Amazon from one man. I'm Jeremy Wade. For 30 years, I've been fishing for evidence. I've been exploring the Amazon for 20 years. It's a river that has mesmerized me with its split personality. One moment it can sustain you, then in the blink of an eye, it can transform into something deadly. River monsters! God bless Jeremy Wade. I'm Jeremy Wade, fish detective. Please join us next week when we join Jeremy Wade and Steven Seagal in space and time monsters. <laughs> well, we have some space and time monsters of our own to thank. Thank you, Darby and Barry, for lending us your voices. And Greg Russ, our sound engineer. Thanks to Stacy for designing our logo, and thanks to Shelly. And most importantly, thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, for listening. And don't forget to catch us on Progressive Voices on TuneIn and on 980 WCAP, where everybody gets it. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're under the name WTFAW. And we're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And follow us on Tumblr at WTFAWshow.tumblr. And hey, if there's anything you think we missed or anything you want to talk to us uh, about, or, or hey, if you want us to talk about something next time, tweet at us. We're at WTFAWshow, at Kevin Janis, and at Benari Lee. I'm Kevin Janis. I'm Benari Poulton. Please join us next time when we try to figure out, where the fuck are we? Paul, Tan, young, lovely girl from... Eponema, this broad is walking. Martian love in this girl <laughs> from Eponema. Tall, tan, young, lovely, the girl from Eponema goes walking, and when she passes, I smile, but she doesn't see. I mean, she just doesn't see.